You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Danica, and today I am joined by Trinity. She's an honest, passionate, and genuine full-service sex worker based in Toronto, Canada. She's here to share with us her experience working with a Toronto agency, the pros, the cons, and the misconceptions. Thanks so much for joining me, Trinity. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be on the podcast. I'm super excited because I don't think we've actually talked to a full-service sex worker, especially with the openness that that we're going to be talking with. So I'm super excited to get into it with you. And first and foremost, you work with an agency. So how do you get hired with that? So agencies, a little bit different. A lot of people tend to start out with an agency. Um, it, used, it goes back to, I'm not too sure how it works nowadays, but it goes back to the back page days. You would find it on back page in the adult jobs. You would apply through an email. You would send a couple selfies of yourself. You would typically do an over-the-phone interview, and then you would go ahead and you'd meet for coffee, chat that way, and then you're basically tossed into a shift. It's really simple. Okay, so were you not, like, scared applying for these online, like, hey, woman that will have sex, come meet me in a coffee shop and I'll pay you, potentially. <laughs> right? It, it sounds so questionable, and it is absolutely super questionable. I remember my first, the first agency I ever worked for, no word of a lie, over the phone, he told me I was just doing, like, companionship. Like, I'm talking going for dinners. And then he tells me in person, I'm going for dinners. I use my last 20 bucks. I get on a train. I go downtown Toronto to go for dinners, get into a hotel. I'm not going for dinners. <laughs> yeah. Um, agencies since then that I have worked for have definitely been more reputable. Um, it's usually if they have a website, they have other things you can look at and double check it. But really, you're just kind of hoping for the best. And you know what? Like, let's be honest. Like, I say that jokingly. Like, weren't you scared? Like, it sounds crazy. But, you know, there's, you know, people supposed to be 18 and up going on dating sites, being like, hey, I've never met you before. Want to come over and hang out? It's like, you know, even more sketchy in my book. So I totally say that with, like, you know, um, realizing that's just the world we live in now. We meet strangers online. (laughs) Like, that's just... That's it. We do everything our parents told us not to do. But... (laughs) That's literally it. It's like, how many Tinder dates have I gone on where I've done the exact same thing? It's just different circumstances. One of it, one of them is an interview. One of them is a date. Yeah. Right? Which is pretty so much just an interview anyway. So yeah. Um, that's, that's a little crazy with that first agency though. What did, how did you handle that? Like, were you, were you already open to the idea of having sex for money or was this like, Hey, I just have to do it now. Cause I'm here. Um, it was a little both like, that was my last $20. I didn't have money to get home. Oh, wow. I was there and I was, I was going to be stuck. So I was already open to the idea. So I just kind of went for it and did my best. Um, and it, it, by the end of that day, I had more money in my hand than I'd ever seen in my entire life. Wow. And to me, that was just a feeling of, I actually have a chance. I have a chance to get out of my little shitty city and, and do something with my life. So, well, it wasn't an ideal first day. I would say that it was it was what I needed in a way, if that makes sense. Like it it opened my eyes a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. And what would you say to people that think that's, um, like, sex trafficking? I mean, it, I feel like it almost is, isn't it? <laughs> it almost is. I mean, kind of. I don't want I'm not going to say I'm going to let you talk on your experience, but it doesn't sound good on that guy's part. That's for sure. He wasn't the greatest guy. He definitely wasn't the greatest guy. And the agencies I have worked for since have been definitely way more reputable. But that's going back to me being a 19-year-old girl coming from a smaller town, having no idea. I didn't know any better. Right. It was me being naive. Right. Yeah. Not that we ever blame the victim, but it's we can compare it, you know, to, um, you know, you go on dates with some guys and you see these red flags and you go on a date with them and maybe something shitty happens or you have a shitty time with them. And then as you get older, you start to kind of see these red flags before you meet up with them. And yeah, I think, because um, I know people are going to jump on it and be like, see, like escorting prostitution is all sex trafficking and no woman chose to be there. So I just know people are going to jump on that because we hear it all the fucking time. Um, that's why I asked, you know, was that something you were already kind of open with, you know? Um, so currently you work with a, a Toronto agency and, uh, you and I spoke about using the term agency because you, you work out of a communal workplace, right? Yeah. So we work out of, um, the agency I'm with currently, we work out of a hotel, um, but you can work out of a hotel or a condo. And it is, you kind of have your own space in your own room, um, but it's, it wouldn't, I don't know if I would call it a brothel because it is still a common area for, it's not basically like a, a place deemed specifically for sex work. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they, they rent a space, right? They don't like own that space and it's in a hotel? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then do these agencies do house calls as well? Some do. Some do. Um, there's definitely outcall agencies that are specific to um, doing outcalls and going to people's houses. Absolutely. So it's a little bit of both. Um, you can do in-calls and outcalls, but you, there is definitely agencies that do specialize in outcalls specifically. Okay. So I know this is a question that I get asked a lot, but I'm not a full-service sex worker and I'm not working for an agency, so I really can't answer it. So I know people are looking forward to your answer. Can you walk us through what a typical shift working for a full-service sex work agency looks like? It's pretty pretty basic. Um, you go in, you set your room up, so you set out your supplies, like your condoms, your lube. If you have lights that you put up, if you whatever you need to make your room homey and feel, feel comforting and, and sexy, you set your room up and you get yourself dressed, you have your shower, do what you need to do to prepare yourself for a call. Your client comes in, you have your fun, your client leaves, you hop in the shower, you wash off, you get yourself up, up and ready to go again. You see your next client, he leaves at the end of the night, you do your total, you clean up your room and off you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So like, I like how you're like, it's pretty simple, but like a squares would be like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're saying your client comes in, do you work specific days of the week that you choose or are you told by the agency, Hey, you're working Tuesday and Thursday this week, this time to this time. And we have X amount of clients set up for you. Or do you, are you renting the space and bring your own clients? Like how does that work? So it varies by agency, but typically you get to make your own hours, which is fantastic. You send in a schedule. You can ask for a certain location. If there's a certain spot in Toronto you want to work, 
You can ask for that location. You set your start and end time. It's, it's really, it's actually fantastic in that way. It's, it's really accommodating. And then before you go in, do you know who the clients are you're going to be seeing or how many or anything about them? So when you've been working for a little while, you end up with your regulars and you know their names. And a lot of the times you have their phone numbers or they know how to contact you. So usually they'll text me and be like, hey, I'm seeing you today or something. They'll give me a little bit of a hint. Um, but from the other than that, um, the agency will send you what is like a list and it will be a list of who you're seeing, the times you're seeing them, what you're collecting for a donation and, um, basically the, um, like the length of the appointment. So Mm -hmm. I have an idea at the beginning of the day, but there is same day bookings that come in as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you actually made a comment there that's a jargon in the industry called donation, which is the payment for a service. And I actually don't know why that even came up. I'm sure it's a sneaky way of getting around the laws that we say, oh, like you can donate, whatever. Um, But I know that's a question I get asked a lot on the Instagram is, you know, how much are girls getting paid for full service sex work and or um, or hand jobs, blow jobs, et cetera. Um, Can girls set their own prices? Does it change when they're with the agency? Um, How much does the agency take? All these questions. So I'm going to throw them all at you, um, starting with, yeah, how much does a girl like expect to make working in Toronto? So agencies are much different than working independently. Independently, you can choose whatever you want to make. You can set your price way higher than an agency price. So that is coming to Toronto, you're working for a low price. That's not the case if that's not what you choose to do. With an agency, um, agency prices haven't changed in the past, I'm going to say over 10 years. So agency prices are sitting at about $250 to $300 at the high end. From that, it's about a 60-40 cut. So I take home 60%, the agency takes home 40%. Um, and then you do have you do have shorter appointments. So you can do a half hour for 150 or so. Um, and from that, I would leave with that 40%. So it, it isn't... Um, it's fairly modest, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're saying per hour for full service, girls in Toronto are taking home roughly uh, $200. Yep. Roughly like that. Okay, so then how many girls are working in a location? Is, do they people only have one room working at once and you're kind of booked for that full day or you're booked for those hours? Or are there multiple rooms, multiple girls working? So that varies by agency. So depending on the agency you're working for, it's going to be completely different. In some agencies, you're in a condo, and in that condo, you could have five girls sitting in a room. So you could be sitting in a living room where you sit and you sit quietly while other girls go into the bedroom and do a call. Gotcha. If you're working, other agencies will have hotels, and you will have a single hotel room for you to use all day. So in a location, um, you could have, based on the agency, you could have 20 girls in a location, or you could have maybe five or six. It just depends on how that agency decides to house their end calls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like the agency's making okay money. <laughs> That's what I'm taking from this. <laughs> just do the math. If, I'm, if I have five working girls, I'm making 40%. <laughs> One hotel room rental. Um, so what would be, I know this is a question most are going to ask, what's the benefit then? Because you said yourself, if you're working independently in Toronto, you can charge quite a bit more. Um, what would be the perceived like perks or benefit of working through an agency versus independently? 
Agency is a great place to start. Agency is a good way to dip your toes in the water. You don't have as much risk um, versus reward. So it's much easier to just dip your toes in without that crazy investment of advertising. Professional photos are way less. Um, even at, like just walking into that room, you have a little bit more of a net to save you. Um, so for me, in my opinion, I've stayed with agencies because I, I like going in, knowing how my day is going to be set up, not having to do emails, not having to do as much of the, the behind the scenes work. I just like to come in, do my job and go home. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find is a positive for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the kind of same as like, if you're working at a strip club rather than doing like stripper house calls like the strip club brings you the clientele you know you can leave and you go home and you have to worry about you know keeping um conversations going with potential clients like all that kind of secretarial work is kind of done for you in a sense no exactly. I totally exactly I totally get that and then I assume too um you get more of the camaraderie with other girls working with you is is that a thing with other working girls or so that's the wild thing about the industry is it actually does depend on agencies. Agencies, there is agencies that will try to refrain girls from becoming friends. Um, but then there's other agencies that will actually start group chats. So you can talk to all the girls and there's a big group chat of every girl on the roster. Um, it just depends where you're working. There's definitely good agencies. There's definitely bad agencies. It's, I feel like that's a normal thing though, right? With When it comes to working anywhere, there's definitely more reputable versus less reputable and more reputable places. Yeah. They want to encourage you to have friends that you're working with because that, that encourages the ability to have somebody to talk to about everything. And somebody who understands it firsthand. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need that. hundred percent for sure. Um, I think sex work, and I've said it before, sex work can be very, very isolating and it's even worse if you don't have fellow sex worker friends. So I think it's great that some agencies do encourage that kind of friendship building within within the sex work community. I guess, like, the other question is, you know, what are the cons of working for an agency? The, the main con, I would say, is just the... There's a different level of individuality you can have. You, agencies are very specific about a type. They're very specific about a type... You have to be in order to get hired. I would say that's probably the biggest issue seen in agencies right now is that you don't have diversity at all. It's very much the same size, the same the same background. It's it's very cookie cutter, and that is something I wish would would change. Interesting. I wouldn't guess that because I wouldn't guess that because from what I know, Toronto Toronto is very like multicultural. And you'd think they, that would bleed into sex work. You'd think they'd have, they'd open the doors to a lot of different types of women because there'd be different types of clientele as well. But that's that's unfortunate to hear. I've, I've literally been fired for being too fat. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, I'm very grateful to be where I am now, where everything is accepted and very, very accepting to everyone that comes in. But... Um, it's definitely not across the board that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, like I felt the same way. I used to work at one club here in Vancouver. It's not as bad now, but back in the day, you had to be skinny, long hair, big boobs. And I was like one, 120, 118. And I was like one of the thicker girls there. And I'm like 5'4", 118. And then when I was in 
New York, um, that was a big thing out there too was like you have to look a certain way in certain clubs. Like you have to be like hip bones protruding or they don't want you. And um, yeah, so I'm very familiar with that concept of. Drives me up the wall. Oh, of course. Yeah, this like in quotes <laughs> ideal woman. Um, which is complete bullshit, but yeah. So we described kind of like the typical worker they want. What? How would you describe the typical client you get? Because I know there's this misconception that every client you get is this like fat, nasty, like loser man that no one would ever touch. Oh, it's totally across the board. Like it's all over the place and it's great. Like I'm, I, I love my my clients, they come in, they banter with me. We have a great time. Um, but it's, it's, it's everyone. There is no specific type. There is no specific person I would say that comes to see me. It's, it's a mixture of ages. It's a mixture of weights. It's, it's all over the place and fucking love it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is good. Well, I guess actually my question is if you're getting all types of people, how do they advertise you? Do they, are you like on a site and then they, the guys say, oh, I want to see Trinity today? Yeah, so there is a website that I would be listed on, as well as you do have review boards. So you have Turb. Um, that would be our big one in Toronto. Um, beyond that, Twitter's huge. Twitter is definitely a happening place lately these days. So Twitter is a big one, I find, that I gain clients from. Oh, interesting. I feel like I've heard a lot of um, – actually, you know what? I knew Twitter was big for, like um, – what camming and stuff it's huge and only fans and i know reddit is like this crazy black hole of like sex work <laughs> so i've heard about this what what is going on with reddit i don't know reddit reddit is a fucking wild like the amount of nights i've like stayed up just like in like the deep hole that is reddit and like falling into the void of like subreddits like there's a subreddit for everything and Reddit is like this weird no man's land where you can like you can post anything, just like Twitter. Like the amount of times I've seen like I don't know huge objects going up assholes is like <laughs> insane. <laughs> like I was watching this one girl, and um, it was like you just see the stem of a banana at her like sphincter, and then all of a sudden she like pushed out this huge banana, and I was like, wow. <laughs> Honestly, good for her. Good for her, but girl, get paid. <laughs> get paid for that. Um, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, Twitter and Reddit are wild, wild places. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, that's my other question, I guess. When, because you said that you can book for an hour, or sometimes they book for half. I assume you're not having intercourse for an entire hour with everyone? Not with everyone, no. Definitely not with everyone. Um, a lot of the hours I find it's sex for like, I'm going to say 20 minutes. Then you have a little bit of a break, you hang out. And then usually there's a second round in an hour. It's kind of customary to have two rounds. Okay. So they aren't paying per service. They're paying for the hour. And then whatever happens that hour is covered by that price. Exactly. So I think that again is a legality thing. Um, because it's companionship. So because it's companionship, you are paying for my time. Right. Right. Um, Interesting. I never knew that. Uh, Speaking of clients again, do you get female clients or couples ever? Um, You do get couples and you do get female clients. Um, One of my favorite people I see is actually transgender. 
she um, she's transitioned from male to female, and she is probably my longest standing uh, client, but also one of my closest friends, I would say. Um, so you do get, definitely get a, a variety of people that come to visit you. That's awesome. So my question with what we just spoke about, about having, you know, they bought your time and, you know, they can go two rounds. Do you have autonomy over that? Can you be like, hey, I only want to have sex with this person one time? It depends on how you're going to spin that. Um, it's tricky. It's a tricky thing because, again, review boards, um, you kind of have to feel it out. Uh, if you're not comfortable doing something, though, don't do it. If you don't want to do something, you always have the right to say no. Speaking of saying no, how do you keep safe within this industry? So I assume there's a bit of more safety perks uh, working through an agency. And how do these agencies vet their clients? So they definitely have a long list of regulars, um, people that have been with the agency for a long time. So they're aware of who their clients typically are. They also have a blacklist. So if any girl has had an issue, um, it's it's told to the agency. And... Uh, um, it's made note of. So there's definitely notes made. If somebody's misbehaved, the agency knows they've misbehaved and they're aware of it. So they definitely do keep an eye on things that way. I don't want to go into too much of how they keep you safe in the room. Um, I don't want to give too much away on that just for my own safety, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they do definitely do what they can to keep you safe. And it is nice knowing there's somebody on the other end of the phone that knows when somebody's entered my room and when somebody's left my room. I go over time, they know how to get a hold of me and they know how to, how to intervene if they have to. Okay, so then, you know, there's only so much gatekeeping that the agency can do with any, there's always limitations. So at the end of it, it comes down to you and, you know, how you keep yourself safe and, and how much autonomy you have. So that's my next question. You know, how, many, how much autonomy do you have in your, in your workplace? And can you turn a client down if you want to? Or can you say no to a certain sexual act? I can say no to anything I want. If I look through that people and I don't like how somebody looks, if I don't like the vibe I get in my chest and I, my gut feels wrong, I can open that door and I can say, no, thank you. I can turn them away. I we're going back a couple of years, but I saw somebody once and they asked me, how rough can I get with you? And I turned them, I looked them dead in the face and I said, that depends, sir. How rough can I get with you? <laughs> And from there, by the way he reacted, it was as simple as, I don't think this is going to work. There's the door. You can, we'll go our separate ways and leave it at that. And um, agencies don't mind. They don't mind if you say no, because that's up to you. That's your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's your, your choice. A hundred percent. I think that's a misconception people have is that, you know, you have no autonomy. They just throw whatever guys at you, whatever sexual act they want to do. And you just got to grin and bear it. If you're not showered and nice and clean, I'm not putting anything near my mouth. <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, I echo that. Um, that comes up with another question, actually. Safety measures for STIs. You know, is condom use always used? Do uh, clients require screening beforehand? Do the workers get screened? Um, how does all that work? Um, so that screening is kind of up to you. Um, I do have a really great doctor, so I actually have a standing requisition. So I go two, uh, two times a month and condoms are always used. There is nothing that happens without a condom. You are, that is a no go, big no go. My safety is the most important. And so, so is theirs. Let's keep everyone safe so we can have a good time. 
I completely agree. I have a standing order as well, and I always talk about it on the podcast. I think everyone, whether you're a sex worker or otherwise, get a standing order. Get checked every month. You never know when things can show up. I'm adamant about using condoms for blowjobs, which I know people don't think is sexy, but too fucking bad. STIs aren't sexy either. <laughs> like, take care of your health. It's definitely, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, you do have to be as safe as you can. 100%. Um, so this is more so less about like the technicality of it and more so you as a person. Uh, how is it having paid sex with men who you don't have a personal relationship? And, you know, do you find it that's very performative? Do you find it like evasive? It's like the best Tinder date of my life. They gave me money. I made a dollar. I got to have sex. And then they left. It's perfect. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> want to stay for breakfast perfect. in the morning. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even have to make bacon for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. This is something that a lot of people ask me with, especially when you get regulars and you're seeing someone often. And I can only imagine that when intimacy is more involved as well, you know, have you ever developed feelings for a client? I personally, I wouldn't say I've developed romantic feelings fully. Um, I definitely would say I do have a strong love for a lot of people I see or a a good handful. Um, And I do have a select few people I genuinely do care about and they will be in my life forever. Um, But full full romantic feelings, um, I don't think I've personally developed them. But I definitely would say I have strong connections with people, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of developing romantic feelings, how is it like dating as a full service sex worker? Cause I know dating even as a stripper is fucking hard. So I can only imagine. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild. Because I'm, abs- I'm totally honest about it. Right out the gate, you know what I do. And I've gotten so many reactions and it's almost at the point where you know what somebody's going to do. So you have the person that just asks you all the questions. You have the person that over-sexualizes you. And then you have the person that runs for the damn hills. But then there is also occasionally every once in a while, somebody who actually gets it and they can be tough to find. But when you do find them, they're absolutely amazing. Okay. Where are they at though? Cause <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've only ever found a couple and it's, they're rare. Yeah. They're unicorns. Um, no, I think that's exactly the same, you know, three kind of stereotypes that are three kind of archetypes that we get even as strippers. You know, there's someone who wants to ask you everything. Oh, do guys come when you dance on them? Like, what is your shift? Like, blah, blah, blah. Much like I'm doing to you right now. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and there's a person who over-sexualizes the shit out of it. It's like, oh, that's so hot. I'm fucking a stripper. And like tells all their friends and like thinks you're going to be like, yeah, I always say backflipping on their dick that night. Like, you know, like you're just going to be wild in bed. And then there's someone who's like, wow, like you have no self-respect for yourself. And like, how would I respect you if you don't respect yourself? And Yeah. I love those ones, so I'm not even going to lie. I love when those ones happen because it's as simple as, okay, well, there's my door. <laughs> you just go back out it. Don't worry about it. I'll keep the beer I bought you. It's fine. It's <laughs> Oh, those ones really, really, it, I think it's just, I don't know if it's a level of 
like a lack of understanding of what it is or where that comes from. But I, I wish that I, I really hope that one day in the future that can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. So you've been doing full service sex work for seven years now. Do people in your personal life know what you do for work? Most of them. Most of them do. Um, a few years ago I was outed. Um, so my, most of my family knows, um, everybody that is my friend knows I just don't hide it anymore. I, I did for a very long time, but I'm not ashamed of myself. I'm really proud of myself. So why would I hide it anymore? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was, how did your family and that respond when you got outed? It was really hard. It was, um, I would say it led to probably the worst year of my life. Mm. Um, I was cut off from my family. I left with my stuff in garbage bags. I had about five minutes to get out of the house and they stopped talking to me. They still at this point don't approve of what I do. They turn a blind eye to it for now, but it is not something that at this point, if I don't retire soon, I will be cut out from my family because of it. Mm. So they don't approve and they don't, they don't support it. But they do still love me. Mm-hmm. That's good. So they, it's just a stigma. They don't understand it fully. And I absolutely I do understand where they're coming from. Well, they're not right. They are my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. My family's the same way. My parents, they know what I do for work. And they feel some kind of way about it. But I still see them every weekend to have dinner and play cards. And we just don't talk about it. Like, it's really... At the end of the day, what is how I make my income really have to do with my family? Really nothing, right? Like, it doesn't fall back on them. I'm safe. I'm smart. I'm saving. Um, so, yeah, as much as they don't understand the world, like you said, your parents don't either. And I think that's often what it comes down to is people not understanding the job. And that's why they have so much hate towards it or discomfort with it, uh, et cetera. Exactly. I totally agree with that, and I I totally understand where you're coming from on that. Like, I think a lot of us are in that boat. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, they mean well. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how to do it. Exactly, exactly. I guess that brings me to my next question, too. In your experience, what preconceived notions do you think people have about full-service sex work that are wrong? My number one pet peeve is when somebody tells me I'm dirty. Um... I cannot count on 10 fingers and 10 toes how many times I've been asked if I'm clean. And nothing makes me more angry than being asked if I'm clean. Because I will gladly send you every freaking screen of mine to prove I'm clean. And then I'll ask you, sir, or ma'am, whoever you are, when were you last tested? Yeah, 100%. I say this all the time. Like, the... The fact is, at least in my world and the sex workers, I know, and I hate the terms clean and dirty, but let's use them for sake of argument. Most sex workers I know religiously get tested and religiously use condoms because to be clean allows them to keep their job. So like their sexual health is the utmost importance to them and the sexual health of the other people they interact with. But you can bet like Susie that goes to the bar and get drunk and like bare backs a stranger isn't getting tested every two weeks. She's not, doesn't have a standing order, you know? So that should drives me crazy too. Yeah. And like nothing against Susie, but like, don't look at me any different than Susie. A 
hundred percent, a hundred percent. I completely agree. Uh, what other preconceived notions, um, did, uh, do you think come up that now that you've been in the industry or things that you thought before you got into the industry that you realized were completely false once you actually started working as a full service sex worker? I, I don't know if I had any preconceived notions towards it. Um, I will say I definitely get asked a lot if I have a pimp mm-hmm. or if I have somebody that starts behind the door and kind of holds my money for, for me and holds it over my head. Um, that one definitely happens. And then the drug, the drugs and alcohol abuse, the substance abuse, um, tends to come up a lot as well. And those aren't necessarily factors in my life personally. Um, but I hate that people assume that in order to do full service sex work, you have to be um, under the under the influence of a substance of some sort. Mm-hmm. Right. A hundred percent. So sex work in general, regardless of what avenue you're in, it can be extremely mentally and emotionally draining. I have clients that I call um, energy vampires who, you know, they just take everything out of you. And not that they have ill intent like that. Like some people are just like that. They need all your attention. They need you on, you know, operating on all tens to give to them. And, um, and yeah, so, and then plus like the outside world, you know, having all these stigmas against you and hating on you and then girls in the industry being catty it can be a fucking lot. So how do you protect your mental health? I do what I can to take care of myself. If that means, you know what, I need a week off, then I need a week off. If at the end of every day, I definitely have a routine I do where I wash my day off. I sit in my bathtub. I have my glass of wine and I do something that makes me smile. Because I just had a day where while I was smiling and happy for myself, I was also focusing on making others smile. So Mm -hmm. I just have to remind myself that I too deserve love and I need to give myself that love. And doing that, I find helps me uh, protect myself and also being aware of people's negativity and distancing myself from it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So like I said, you're the first full service sex worker that I've had on. And that obviously brought with it quite a bit of listener questions. People were very eager to, uh, to ask questions. So the first one is, I want to work in Toronto, but I've always heard that it's run by pimps. Is that true? Do some girls choose to work for a pimp and why? And how do I avoid pimps? I can't say how somebody ends up working for a pimp. Um, I don't feel like I was ever pimped out. I don't feel like that was ever my situation. So I can't personally understand that. Um, if you're looking to work in Toronto, uh, your best place to look would be TURB. Look under the adult jobs there and you will see or look at agencies that advertise on TURB and you will see agencies. Um, there is, I would say, a group of, I'm going to say eight agencies in Toronto. So check those out and go with whoever makes you feel the most comfortable. Go with your gut. Your gut knows best. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like a big a big thing that sticks out is you can tell a good agency because a good agency will have girls that have been there for five years, six years, seven years. If you notice a lot of turnaround and you notice that the longest standing girl at that agency has only been there for maybe a year at the most, then maybe you should look at another agency. Mm -hmm. No, that's really good. Really good advice. Uh, Next question. How is working for an agency different than having a pimp? The agency owner 
is you, the, the agency I work for, the agency owner is great. Like I absolutely adore him. Um, he, he's given my parents a suitcase so they can go on vacation. <laughs> Aw. Like I talk to him all the time and he actually, he, he checks in and he makes sure I'm managing my money properly. He makes sure I'm being smart. If I'm doing something stupid, that man's going to call me out and say, you're not making wise choices. Trinity, pull it together. And that to me isn't a pimp. That's somebody that has my well-being in mind. They, I would say the agency specifically I work for, they care about the girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think to me, when I think like a pimp or like a facilitator, like the agency's a facilitator, because they both, I guess you could say are facilitating their work, but with a pimp, there's more like ownership there. There's less autonomy. Um, and that, that's how I differentiate in my head, the difference between working yeah. for a pimp or working for someone who's getting you jobs. Totally. And you're totally right about that. You totally were that perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next question. Is it true there are agencies that trick you? I'm from Denmark and have only heard bad things about working with an agency. I mean, I just told you I was tricked to start, but I have not been tricked since. No, I have been made fully aware. It has been very clear what my job is, how things work and how I'm, how things are typically run. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next question. Is Toronto safe to tour with an agency? Indy or stay west? I'm scared of pimps. <laughs> There's a lot of pimp questions here. So many pimp questions. <laughs> um, it depends where you're coming from. Um, I think for financial reasons, if it's your first tour, unless you are a well-established independent, um, I would do it with an agency personally, um, just because it gives you somewhere to stay. If Otherwise, you're sitting there. Not only do you have to manage all your advertising and everything else, you have to manage your your in-call space. So you have a hotel cost over your head as well, and you have to make sure that hotel is is sex work friendly because you don't want to get you won't, you don't want to have to pay so much money for a room and then all of a sudden you're kicked out. So if you're touring and aren't well known in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, then I would suggest trying with an agency first, just so you can have the most financial gain. And then do you mind just explaining to listeners what touring means? Touring is when you go from from one town to another town working um, or from another country. I've met girls that have come from across the pond over over in Europe. Um, I don't think I've met anyone from the States, but there's girls that come from everywhere. There's girls that come from, um, I think the one I got closest to was from Saskatoon. And she came down and she worked in Toronto. So people come from everywhere to work. It, it's, you travel for work. Next question. What mentalities do you need to remain strong in the industry? I feel like that's tricky to answer because that varies for everybody. Um, for myself, it's remembering that there is a difference. Um, it's remembering that, like, I genuinely do find that keeping my personal life a little bit more separate helps me. Um, so that has helped me a lot for sure. Um, other than that, I would say just remind yourself, like if you're doing it because you want to do it, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. You need to do what's right for you at the end of the day. And I think it's really important to stay in touch with that. Definitely. I agree. Next question. Do you require STD screening for your partners and clients? Um, it's, the thing is, is 
No, you don't ask. I've never asked for a CD screening from a client. No, but um, it is under the assumption across the board when you're seeing somebody that they are clean, but you're also being safe yourself. If you're doing your job properly, there shouldn't be a, a significant risk. Um, I know how often I get tested and for partners in my personal life, I'm being just as safe. There is, there is no way I'm doing anything questionable with one of my partners in my personal life. Your body is your income, and that's basically the moral of the story. Definitely. 100%. Completely agree. Next question. What are the laws in Toronto regarding full-service sex work? It's kind of a gray area. Um, if you're working with an agency, you hire the agency. They work for you. You don't work for the agency. So they manage you is basically what they do. You are hiring an assistant is what we'll call it. Um, and then from there, it is somebody is paying for your time. Paying for your time, they are not paying for any sexual acts. Whatever happens in a room is between two consenting adults. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Last question here: How do you separate your own boundaries from the shame society imposes on you? Fuck society. <laughs> society needs to learn, and if society doesn't like me, that's too bad for society. That's ultimately not my problem. Am I going to sit and walk down a hall in shame? Hell no. I did that for a long time and I'm done doing it and I won't do it. Mm -hmm. So society can learn to accept me. That's not my problem. A hundred percent. That's it for listener questions. I, and there was a bunch more, but a lot of them kind of overlapped. A lot of them were about pimps, (laughs) which I figured would come out. (laughs) Which I assume so much about pimps. Maybe there's more, way more pimps than I know about. Um, I feel like that's a big thing in Vancouver. Everyone, when the Toronto girl comes over, you assume she has a pimp. And whenever a Toronto guy approaches you, honestly, like a lot of the times they are pimps here in Vancouver. Like, um, uh, I don't know why, but a lot of them here that come over here, they like are pimps from Toronto. So I think that just really sours everyone to the Toronto scene. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. But I've never personally run into a pimp. I, I I don't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, it's not, much yeah, it's not a it's not a world I'm well versed in, but which I'm happily not well versed in. Um, <laughs> absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think you probably know. At the end of every interview, I ask three questions to the interviewee. The first one being, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't tried but want to? I don't know if there's anything on my bucket list I haven't tried. There's definitely things I want to do more of. Okay, let's hear I definitely it. Want to do, I definitely want to do more MFMs. I want to do all the DP. I can't wait for the pandemic to end so we can do orgies again. <laughs> <laughs> I love her sex. That would be cool. <laughs> um, she said MMF, which is male, male, female, threesome, if anyone's wondering what that means. Um, next question. One thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? I think that's a trick question. Um, I can't say there's not something I wouldn't try again because I would be open to trying it with the right person because maybe my experience was based off of so many external factors of the person I'm with, my environment, my mood. I think things can vary. And I think there's a lot of things I would still like to experiment with, but maybe with different people. What a very, very, uh, safe answer. (laughs) 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 No, but that's very, very true. Um, 
it, it's crazy how much external factors impact sex and the situation. Completely. Totally. Like, I hated butt stuff for a long time. And then eventually I, I found out I love butt stuff. <laughs> Have you noticed, I've said this before too, that like vaginal sex, I find like most penises kind of always feel like all kind of feel the same unless they're a lot bigger, a lot smaller, or like they have some curve. But with anal, like every dick feels very different, I find. Exactly. Like there's a lot of experimentation that you can do with somebody. So. <laughs> <laughs> and your last question, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? I think I'd ask everyone to be nicer to each other. I think everybody deserves love and everyone deserves respect. And I think that we need to really bring a little bit more love to the world. We desperately need it right now. And if we could all do that, I think we'd probably be a little bit happier. A hundred percent. That's a beautiful note to end on. Well, Trinity, usually I ask people where they can find you, but you're a lady of mystery and you don't want to be found. So. <laughs> I, I do want to be a secretive, secretive lady here. <laughs> that, works, that works for me. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. I'm hoping maybe this brings some light to things and hopefully full service isn't such a, a mystery to everyone anymore. Mm-hmm, exactly. Or as stigmatized. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. As always, you can find me on Instagram at five zero plus a tip or email me at five zero plus a tip at gmail.com. And you can slide to my DMs with questions, comments. I always love getting them. Once again, Trinity, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I, it was lovely speaking with you and I really enjoyed it. Have a wonderful week and happy hoeing. Bye. See ya. And before you guys run away, make sure to check out our amazing sponsors. We have Miss Envy Botanicals and they're dedicated to producing 100% organic medicinal cannabis products available at upscale dispensaries nationwide. They have a wide variety of products ranging from topical skincare, culinary additives, and cannabis oil, as well as Phoenix tears. All of their creations are produced with only the best organic non-GMO ingredients and infused with love. Use code DANNY10 for 10% off. Truly Lifestyle Brand is an all-natural and cruelty-free skincare company that allows your skin to become its best self. They just launched two new amazing products, a facial scrub and a powder exfoliant. So go check those out right now. Use code TRULYPLUSATIP for 10% off your first online order. Temptations Avenue Laundry is a Canadian-owned laundry brand with a variety of styles ranging from sexy and wild to demure and sweet. Check them out on Instagram at Temptations Avenue and use our discount code TIP25 to get 25% off. That's TIP25, T-I-P-2-5 for 25% off your entire order. And lastly, for hair and skincare products that work absolute wonders, follow my girl on Instagram at tiffany.valentina.bella. Message her Danny Hair to get your personal hair and skin consult and save up to 40% off on her amazing products. Have a wonderful week and happy hoeing! 